Welcome to another episode of Mental Wealth for Entrepreneurs podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. My guest on this week's program is Michelle Anghang, who is a certified life coach who specializes in supporting individuals and families living with mental health challenges, as well as those moving forward after loss. In addition to coaching, Michelle is a motivational speaker who shares her story of becoming widowed at the age of 34 when her husband died by suicide and how she navigated her way through stigma, shame, and her own mental health challenges to rebuild her life intentionally. So welcome to the show, and let's listen to Michelle's story now. Welcome, Michelle. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great. I guess just to dive in uh, straight away into our conversation, could you just tell us a little bit about your background? I, I know you've got a um, degree in psychology, but uh, before you, you, you also uh, had a corporate career. So maybe you can start by yeah, telling us a little bit about your previous life. Sure, happily. Um, yes. Yeah, so as you mentioned, I, I got my degree in psychology. Um, but I got married quite young. And at the time, I thought, okay, I can't continue with school, I need to get into the corporate world. And so started working uh, in law, I was a law clerk, and then ended up just doing that for for over 10 years. And then, um, sadly, I lost my husband to uh, by suicide when I was 34. Uh, took a little bit of a break and then moved into finance, uh, you know, joined, joined a company uh, that a friend of mine uh, was starting and um, did that for another 10 years. But it was clearly not where I was meant to be. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, then, uh, you know, through more life events, uh, got into doing my own personal healing work. And that brought me to coaching and so, yeah, left the corporate world, never looked back and <laughs> love, love the entrepreneur life. <laughs> right. So you've, you've been, uh, you, you've had the corporate career for nearly 20 years, right? What, what did you like and what did you not like about your corporate career? Let's see. It's um, a good question. I, I know what I did not like. <laughs> I could start with that. <laughs> uh, I think... Well, I could start with both, actually. So so what I liked about it was when the day was over, the day was over. And I could go home and, you know, that was it. I was able to maintain a, a balance a bit more easily just because, you know, going to the office, um, having that set structure, um, having as well support, and of course, depended on which company I was at and, and the levels of it. Um, were definitely, you know, I think those were pros, but um, the cons for me, um, the biggest one was having to work for somebody else that um, no matter how much effort I put in didn't necessarily show in, you know, the rewards that I reaped (laughs) and and lacking the freedom. So where it was nice to have the nine to five and then I could go home and forget about it. It was also, I was stuck to that nine to five. I had no flexibility. And for me, my, my number one value is freedom. 
And I only discovered that really through this journey of, you know, I want to have that ability that if I want to take a Tuesday off in the middle of the week, I can just do that. And I don't have to explain it to anybody. I know, you know, because I'm working on my own, I know if I need to work extra over the weekend or whatever it is, but I, I have that freedom to do whatever I want. I can set my own hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not a morning person and I, I enjoy, you know, having a long morning routine with meditation and things like that. So I can just build my day around starting at 10 or 11 and there's nobody saying like, Oh, well, you know, we need you here for this. <laughs> so, so that freedom is really, you know, I can't, you can't put a price on that. What time it is now in Canada? Because <laughs> you're in Canada, right? What time, now? what time is it? It's 9.10. Oh gosh, it's a bit early for you, isn't it? It's it very early for me. I had to get up a little earlier to go, get my meditation in. I'm still drinking my coffee. <laughs> but uh... You're talking about uh, work-life balance. I guess, where do we start? Uh, I don't know the exact statistics, but there is some statistics already to Ina. Uh, suggesting that today people are so stressed and overwhelmed, even working, you know, in a nine to five job. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what people can can do to actually help help themselves uh, whilst they are doing their, their nine to five job? We're talking about corporate careers. What can they do about their mental health? How how can they um, help themselves to? You know, to overcome this 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 overwhelm, many people uh, feel working nine till five. Yeah, you know, I mean, I believe just on um, a, a cultural societal level, we have to get rid of that idea of you know the hustle and pushing. You know, everybody. You know, there's there's some glory that that you know of like, oh yeah, well if I'm working till seven, eight, nine, I work fifteen hours a day. Somehow, like, wow, good for you. It's like it's not good. For you. Like, there, there's nothing good about that, but there's that idea. And I know for myself, you know, being a single mother, I was leaving the office at five o'clock where other people were giving me looks because they stayed longer. And so, you know, there was a lot of guilt around that. And I think that that mentality of, you know, the just keep moving, keep going, it's not healthy for any of us. I really think, you know, if you know, I, I would skip lunch breaks. I never took breaks. I would eat my sandwich at my desk. And now I know differently. Now it's like, okay, no, I'm actually so much more effective. And so, you know, I can accomplish so much more in my day when I do take the breaks. And I do take an hour in the afternoon if I'm going outside for a walk or just doing something else that that fills me up. Um, You know, that makes me so much more productive that when I am returning to work, I'm not exhausted. You know, now as an entrepreneur, I have that balance. But there are some nights that I'm working till nine at night. But I don't even realize I'm working like, oh, my gosh, it's nine o'clock already because I'm I'm replenished. I'm creating that balance for myself. So I have the energy. I'm not doing it to the point of burnout. It's like, okay, I have the energy and I'm doing what I love. So, you know, the hours, yeah, they vary. There's there's, you know, not a lot of structure in that piece. Yeah. Uh, So I think, you know, for me, I, I. practice a lot of mindfulness and I encourage my clients to do that as well because I believe that when we have that awareness like often we're just so like moving so quickly 
that we don't even f- notice what's happening in our bodies until we're like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's getting that mindfulness of like, okay, I'm noticing, I'm feeling a little tired, I'm feeling a little distracted. We take the break, and and giving ourselves that permission that that this is not, you know, it's not something to feel guilty about. That this is a necessity. The same way we need to eat during the day, we need to take those breaks too. Yeah. So when you say you know mindfulness practice. What do you mean by that? Because, I mean, I've 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 never, I, I don't know, I've never done any meditation, and I tried some time ago, and I just couldn't do it because I had so many thoughts popping into my head, and <laughs> and yeah. it's like, okay, is it you have to understand yoga or something to be able to to practice mindfulness? Mindfulness. How can just simple people like myself? <laughs> sure. No, and that that's a great question. Um, I, I, yeah, um, I teach I teach a course called uh, Mindfulness Training for Emotional Resilience, and it's exactly for people who can't meditate. Meditating is one way to practice mindfulness, but even just slowing down and doing a check in. Um, what I what I train my clients to do is just take just notice, you know, my body is, and then have one word. My thoughts are, and my emotions are, and pick one word for each. So it's really just taking that, you know, that break just taking a deep breath and really just checking in with ourselves and having that awareness. Because sometimes when we're moving so quickly, we miss a lot of things. It's like sometimes, you know, we don't realize like, oh, I've had to go to the bathroom for the past hour. But when we, you know, if you actually take the time to slow down and do a check-in like that, just even noticing, that's practicing mindfulness. It, you know, mindfulness is really about being present. So yes, meditation is is one way to do it. Um, and having the, the, you know, the thoughts going by is okay. <laughs> it's, you know, that's the way our brains are designed. Um, so it's not necessarily about stopping it. It's just, you know, having that noticing of like, wow, I'm sitting here and like, wow, my brain is busy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now that's information and, and it's all receiving it as information. So I'm noticing my brain is busy. Do I need to do something about it? Do I want to do something about it? Or is that okay? And then we're moving forward from a place of choice. So for me, mindfulness is about those two things, about the awareness and about choice. And so any of these kind of just slow check-in, even doing three deep breaths and just saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to slow my mind down. I'm going to slow my nervous system down. Our, Our bodies and our brains love that. So it doesn't have to be anything formal. There are many ways to practice it, um, as well with daily activities, you know, I, I teach about, you know, washing your hands, which, you know, it's a big thing now, especially with the pandemic, you're spending 30 seconds doing it. Where's your mind when you're doing that? If you actually slow down and pay attention to like, oh, the water feels nice and feeling it on your hands and noticing the, the soap sudsing up and how it feels when you're rinsing your hands, that's a mindful activity. Okay, that's nice. And, and it's actually, yeah, and, and you might notice that like, oh, I'm actually feeling a little bit more relaxed having done that. And yeah. then each of those little pieces is is creating a better, um, you know, just calmness in our nervous system and our minds. Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, washing your hands and actually paying attention to to the actual process. I've just remembered, um, they, they taught my son uh, in school that they should sing um, Happy birthday to me song. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
by the time they finish, you know, singing the song, they they already kind of watched it for like twenty seconds or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's another one. But um, uh, so, how long you've been um, uh, having this coaching business? How long you've been running this business? Uh, so I started doing coaching um, about four years ago while I was still in my corporate job. So just doing it part-time evenings and weekends. And then I left uh, the corporate world. Oh gosh, it's I guess two and a half years ago. So doing that full time. Yeah. So what, what was the most um, terrible mistake that you made uh, when you just started your business? If <laughs> I <laughs> Can you Good give us question. So tactics, tactics not to make mistakes? Because uh, I guess a, a lot of people will be considering going into entrepreneurship because, again, we, we know that the figures for unemployment now caused by this pandemic. Yeah. So, so, yeah, uh, what was the, you know, the, the mistake you made maybe, you know, when you just started? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't thought of it as mistakes. I, I, cause I always see them all as learning opportunities, right? <laughs> so, but I think, um, I think it would have served me more, um, to have more clients already lined up at the time, um, just to give me that, um, financial security and have more of my day filled up. But again, you know, it's, it didn't work out that way. I didn't know that uh, because this was my first time really um, trying out entrepreneurship in this way. Um, and, you know, having that time was also an experience of recognizing, okay, I, my days are a lot better when mm-hmm. they're busy, when they're filled with clients. If it's not filled with clients, then, you know, like especially now, if, if I don't have many clients, then I'm setting up other calls to stay connected with people. So um, I don't do particularly well with too much free time on my hands. <laughs> so, and I'm kind of like, okay, what do I do? Where do I go? I don't feel as, as filled up. So it would have been nice to have um, a little bit more of a plan too. Um, when I left my job, even, well, yeah, I didn't really, when I became a coach, I was thinking I was going to stay in the corporate world um, and just do internal coaching and then when I left my job, it was due to other circumstances, just things came up. It was not a, a healthy situation for me. And I just said, okay, I'm done. Thank you. Goodbye. You know, <laughs> stay, stayed a couple of months to help them wrap up. But um, I didn't really have a plan built out of like, what will this look like? So yeah. be, if, if a person's a planner, then it's, it's nice to have a little bit of more of an idea than I did. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? But for me, there was a great lesson in, in being with the unknown and uh, learning how to navigate that, which I think any entrepreneur who's listening is, is probably going to be nodding of like, yes, there's a lot of unknown in entrepreneurship. Yeah. So that was my first lesson in that. <laughs> have you ever thought of giving up? Um, because again, you know, when you don't have clients, you start questioning, is my strategy right? Uh, is my approach to marketing is right? And then you try again and it doesn't work. And yeah, I mean, have you ever thought, have you ever had any negative thoughts of giving up and just like, call it a day and just going back to the corporate career? Yes, definitely. Um you know, there have been times where, you know, I mean, all, the business is cyclical. 
So, and it has its ups and downs. And there have been times when it was slower where, you know, being a single mom and, you know, paying for, you know, supporting my two kids on my own, it was like, how am I going to do this? Can I, you know, maybe I should go back to the safety and security of, of knowing a paycheck is coming in, uh-huh. uh, you know, but, but at the end of the, you know, it, it's funny because I would go through that and then suddenly I'd hit a new wave of clients coming in. It's like, oh, good thing I didn't <laughs> go and look for that. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a matter of just sticking with it and knowing, yes, the thoughts are going to pop up at the end of the day. But as I mentioned, you know, for me, when I think about that, I think about losing my freedom and it's like, oh, no, no, <laughs> I'm not going back. That's my quick, you know, yanks me back to reality. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I advise my students, I say, well, take risks whilst you're young, because when you have kids and you have dependencies, it's very hard to actually make those choices, make those decisions, because like you said, you know, you have all these thoughts, you know, will I be able to feed my kids and pay pay the bills and all all that? And sometimes you just kind of have to push through and it will come, you know, you will see, you need to gain the momentum. I think I've read in one of the entrepreneurship books that it's it's like, you know, when when you try to push the willow, uh, um, merry-go-round or something, and then you come, you push, you push, you push, and it just, stay still right and then it's kind of give, gives way and then slowly start, and then it starts rolling and uh some some people unfortunately give up too soon um yeah. before yeah. it actually gains the momentum this whole yeah i think one of the biggest lessons i learned from that is when i'm going through those experiences it's reach out and find somebody who can support me in getting the business going so usually you know that's like i, I i'm usually working with one with a coach of some sort at, at different points, you know, in my career, in my life, you know, if it's personal development or, or business development, but, you know, for example, when the pandemic hit and, you know, suddenly you said among my clients were saying, you know, I can't afford to do this right now. You know, we were laid off. We're not working. We're not getting paid. And I went into panic. And so I signed up with a business coach and who could help me and guide me and hold me accountable to really putting myself out there and getting the work done. And, you know, that ended up, you know, this past year ended up shifting things for me and growing things for me in a way I never would have otherwise expected. So, um, you know, I think it's it's important to remember that, yes, while as entrepreneurs, we're alone in managing our business, we don't have to be alone. There's so many people out there who can support us, who want to support us who know more about some of these things than we know. And, you know, yeah. so, so definitely get that support. Yeah. And, you, you know, yeah, go yeah. Do you have any entrepreneurs in the family? Um, do you have a supportive family? Um, relatively supportive. Um, I'm just thinking if there are any entrepreneurs. Um not in my immediate family. They they all have secure, you know, and, and that's the, you know, my father worked for the government before he retired. My mother always worked in corporate. So that was what was modeled for me. Uh, so a lot of it was just paving my own way and and seeing how other people were doing it. And, you know, even working in, in smaller companies, just, you know, why, while I didn't think it was for me for a long time. It was like, oh, I don't know that I could do that. I realized that was just my own 
mindset. And that was a block that I had. And it was like, no, anyone can really do it. It's just, you know, do you want to? And, um, and just learning how, but um, yeah, it was definitely not a part now, as I, even I'm thinking further back, like in my mother, my grandmother worked in a bank. And so yeah, it was it was all corporate. So yeah. that wasn't something that was modeled for me that I can say, yes, I can do this. So but I've, I've always been a little bit of, uh, you know, doing things my own way in my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you know going back uh you you mentioned um the tragedy with your husband when you were a very young woman um how how did you how did you survive this because that 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 was a big tra- tragedy in your life uh how did you go about um dealing with this uh loss yeah thank you for asking um that you know, it, it kind of got worse before it got better. Um, because, um, so as I mentioned, my husband died by suicide, he had um, suffered from severe mental illness. And um, the family chose to say he died in an accident because of the fear of the stigma related to it. So I had that secret that I was keeping for 10 years. And so during that period of time, I was not coping. I mean, I was going for therapy. I was doing grief support. But when when you're not able to grieve and talk about what really happened, the healing doesn't happen. So, um, you know, there, there were those 10 years um, were really, you know, a, a bad time for me. You know, I, I was just shrinking smaller and smaller and just kind of taking whatever life gave to me just because of, you know, again, my own shame, my own fears. Um, and then, you know, it, it, for me, sadly, it, it reached, you know, a, my a, one of my rock bottoms where I just, you know, couldn't do it anymore and then began the healing. And, um, you know, the healing was, was an intense journey, but I'm very grateful to have done it. Um, you know, I just, I learned a new way of, of, living and you know again being at choice getting support that I needed from people who were not afraid of the stigma who were not judgmental um you know I I had to learn a lot of a lot of new ways of being after that you know you mentioned mentioned shame why shame I mean what's shameful about this tragedy what why why is it well, I think we we all know there's you know sadly stigma around mental illness and suicide. Um, I grew up um, I grew up in the same community as my husband, and you know mental illness is not talked about. It's a very traditional religion. It's a very traditional community. Uh, they still do arranged marriages, so these kinds of things are are taboo. You don't want to have a, you know any anybody saying that's like oh well who, no one's going to marry into that family. So that was kind of the mindset. So, you know, in addition to just even general society that um, doesn't like to admit or talk about mental health challenges, I mean, even now, like, we're almost a year into this pandemic, we're locked down. And, you know, people are still not admitting that they're not okay. They're like, No, I'm fine. I'm doing great. And it's like, No, tell me you're a mess. And then I know you're okay. (laughs) If you tell me you're fine. I'm worrying. And that's the thing that people don't want to say that they're afraid that they're going to be seen as weak or incapable, particularly in the corporate world. Uh, You know, that's really, it's, it's shameful, but it's, you know, it is the way it is. And so I had many different layers of that piece of just don't admit to it. And I, you know, I live with depression. I live with anxiety. It's 
part of it, but I also know, you know, I have the tools to manage it and I talk very openly about it, but I know some people are just like, oh, you know, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Did you have to take medication for your depression or did you kind of overcome it? By- um, there was one point in time where I did go on medication um, and it was not too long after um, I started um, my own, you know, when I left the corporate world, because I realized for, for me, the depression shows up more in, you know, apathy and sleeping a lot. So I was sleeping 15 hours a day and it was like, okay, first of all, I'm the most emotional person anyone's ever met. I cry at like commercials <laughs> and it was like, okay, I can't cry. And I I'm watching a sad movie and I know I should be. So that was for me, the clue that like, okay, something, something's off and I'm feeling a bit detached. Um, and then the sleeping. And I went to my doctor and I was like, I'm an entrepreneur now. I can't afford to take a three hour nap in the afternoon. I need to be awake. So I went on the medication um, just to get me more motivated. And um, after about a year, um, I went off the medication and it was, you know, mostly because I had l- spent a lot of time learning a lot of tools to work through my own episodes again with the with the mindfulness I'm now able to see like as soon as an episode might be starting I'm noticing oh I'm having that thought that I want to take a nap as soon as that thought comes in right away nap I can't sleep my problem is that I'm just so busy in my head I just (laughs) a few years back I end up with like insomnia for a year i could just go to sleep but uh, yeah it, i guess it uh, affects everyone differently yeah yeah but just having that awareness of what my own symptoms are and then right away putting in the plans of like okay i'm starting to feel this what do i need to give myself maybe it's a day off you know maybe it's it's connecting more with people you know i i have a friend who also has um their own mental health challenges and so we always reach out to each other of like okay I might not be so okay. Check in with me tomorrow. See how I'm doing, uh, you know. And then just making sure that I'm taking care of myself in, you know, exercising, eating well, sleeping, reducing stress. You know, I get much tighter on my boundaries with other people and and with social media. Of like, okay, what's gonna what's gonna help me and what's not gonna help me. And so just having that awareness and knowing the resources that I need to do, as soon as I, I start feeling like, oh, something might be happening, I put those into place. And usually, you know, it, it doesn't always solve it, but I know that my episodes are nothing like they used to be. Like they're, they're much shorter, they're much less intense, and I feel much more empowered because I know I'm taking care of my own health. Yeah, well, you mentioned social media. I think it's just media full stop. It's it's the news. Right? You turn on the news and, I mean, that can't be healthy because since, I don't know, March, every day they just tell people how many people died. And whether you believe in pandemic or case-demic, it's a different story, right, whether these numbers are inflated or not. But still, you know, the, the messages they're bombarding at people is not, you know, go and take some vitamin C walks or something like that, you know, just look after your mental health. They're actually telling you constantly how many people died. Yeah. That can't be healthy even for, for, for a mentally healthy person, no. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so much of that. And then, and then, you know, so, so much divisiveness and so many emotions. I mean, I think we're all feeling 
well, we are all feeling the fear. We're all feeling sadness, you know, we're all grieving, you know, the life that we used to know that doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, we're exhausted, angry about the situation. Holidays, right? They still show us the old life, holiday, the people going on holidays, and then they boom with the statistic, give you the statistics of how many people died, right? So you can't be healthy. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's really limiting it. And you know, I know for myself, um, you know, I think we can all get caught up in it. It's like, oh, okay, here's the stats for my country. Where is it? What does it look like in the rest of the world? What does it look like? <laughs> and then. Some people are already kind of addicted in a way, like checking those numbers, right? I don't know what husband is. He's just constantly checking, like, oh, look at the numbers today. <laughs> just like, stop watching, please, you know. Don't. And that's it. Yeah, I, I know I had to take a step back. It's like, okay, I can check the news in the morning, see if there's, you know, anything I need to know. And then I don't look at it the rest of the day. And I know social media... Um, I've, I've had to, you know, unfriend people. I have blocked people. I have, you know, really changed up, you know, my feed and I'm on it much less often because I'm, we're seeing the undercurrent of all of these emotions that are coming up and nobody has any way to express it other than through this. And so, you know, it's like I recognizing this isn't very healthy for me. I see what it's doing. And knowing what I can manage, you know, just last night I, I posted something on Facebook and, you know, somebody made it political. And it was like, this is, is not even about politics. This was mm-hmm. about women supporting women. And I I don't know them well. And I just, you know, one person ended up like having a little back and forth. And I was like, no, you know what? I deleted it. I blocked that person. It's like, I don't want anger in my sphere you know there's enough already that you know I can't have that if this person is choosing to do that I don't need to have them on my social media yeah because some people are just so bottled up today uh because obviously they can't go out and we are in a full lockdown but um yeah they're just kind of trying to find that you know what what to 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 put all that (laughs) Um, thank you so much but I don't want to be your you know Like, yeah. I know I'm not going to change your mind and exactly. you're clearly looking for things. And, you know, I, I wish, I wish this person well, but I, I don't need to have that in my, so this is how in my life. So this is how, you know, what my boundaries could look like. It's, it's very yeah. simple, you know, no offense, but. <laughs> and you know yourself, I mean, how you can be affected by all those messages, right? And you need to keep your mental health in check. Exactly. So yeah. But uh, yeah, we've had discussions on this program about you know, you know um, cyber bullies and people who just out there to, just to hurt you. I mean, it's just yeah, you better off just kind of blocking them and just kind of sending them their way. But um, you know, you you talked about your husband and that the fact that he had bipolar, right? Yes. yes. Uh, was he also an entrepreneur or was he working in a corporate job? No, he was he was working in in a corporate job. Yeah. 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 Because uh, I don't know if you've heard about Michael Freeman, who's a um, founder of Econa. He's a psychiatrist, very famous psychiatrist in the US. And um, he did a study on um, the, you know, in, um, on the relationship between mental health and entrepreneurship. And he found that, you know, entrepreneurs are likely to have 
more stress, more depression, more bipolar disorders as a result. And and again, it is not quite clear whether um, the, the the causal relationship between the mm. two. But still, you know, entrepreneurs they are at the risk of increasing you know challenges uh, with regards to their mental health. So, um, you know, I've, I've, you are providing some help to individuals and families and professionals, right? Yeah. They all come with different problems, or do they all come to you with similar problems, or do say professional people working, you know, in jobs have different need when it comes to mental health? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think you know the underlying theme is stress and not having the resources or the ability, or sometimes the willpower, the knowledge, or support to to manage it. Um, so yeah, it could, it could show up in different ways for different people. Like, you know, with entrepreneurs, we tend to be a bit more isolated than other people. And so, you know, or, you know, we don't have that steady income that we can rely on. So that, you know, either of those could lead to anxiety or depression. Um, but I think the underlying themes are pretty much the same. It's just looking at each individual and, and, getting a snapshot of their life and then helping them figure out, okay, what, what do you need to feel better? Because ultimately we all just want to be happy and, and feel good. And so it's just seeing, okay, where, where are those gaps to that? And what do you need to do? And then create, you know, in addition to teaching some of these mindfulness strategies, also just looking at their general lifestyle of like, okay, are, how much do you, you know, how often do you see people? Are you connected you know, whether it's socially or um, through your business, you know, through networking, you know, as as a coach, I'm very blessed that I have a huge uh, support network of other coaches. <laughs> and, you know, and but for me, like, especially now during the pandemic, um, I have accountability calls with different coaches during the week. Um, so I'm connecting with different people and we're just kind of checking in on each other. So setting things up like that. Uh, so, so that's one example for entrepreneurs, but it's just, you know, looking at the snapshot of, you know, right down to like, how many hours of sleep are you getting at night? You know, what's the quality of sleep? What do you need, you know, to what to change there? How are you eating? Are you getting time to exercise? Again, boundary setting is, is huge of just knowing when to turn it off, whether it's, you know, turning off the business and saying, okay, we're closed right now. Or, or if it's, you know, family members and just knowing which ones cause us more stress and saying, you know, I love you and I'm going to end this conversation. <laughs> so yeah. really, it's, you know, maintaining that peace of mind, learning the strategies that when we do get stressed. Yeah, and it's, you know, sometimes we're, we're trying so hard of like, well, it's not nice or we have ideas that self-care is selfish and it's really saying like, no, it's it's not selfish at all. Like, you know, going back to eating, like eating is not indulging. Eating is necessary. We can't just say, you know, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, that's not really, it is. And self-care and, and rest and boundaries are equally as important, no matter what we were brought up, you know, what messages we were brought up with about, you know, doing that. There's nothing unhealthy. And, and the truth is... Um, we're actually more loving people when we set boundaries because yeah. it gives us that time. And, and when we're taking care of ourselves too, because we're then taking the time to fill ourselves up 
so that, you know, we're coming to our family members from a place of, you know, being filled. And it's like, okay, I have something to give versus I'm empty. And now you want something else from me. And so now I'm feeling resentful and not really liking you very much. And it's like, okay, that's not how we want to be with our families anyways. And it's just sometimes a matter of time and training them of just like, okay, this is what I need to do right now. And no, and then, you know, sometimes we inspire our other family members that like, oh, you know, you could do this too. And yeah, so, yeah there's there's a ripple effect. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say no. Um, but um, yeah, and you, you've got two kids as well. How, how, how big are your kids? How big are your boys? They are now 22 and 19. So okay. they're both in university. Yeah. So it's, I, I guess it's uh, with... Uh, how how do they cope with with current situation? Because again, I, I just I just feel there'll be a massive massive um, backlash and and you know back a bad effect on on the mental health of the you know younger population, younger kids. Uh, how do they cope and what are the strategies to help families? Because you also you know uh, yeah. Yeah. help families. What so- do they- yeah, so um, my kids, um, yeah, yeah. One of them is is away. He, he's uh, they they both are in different cities uh, at university. One, my older one is in an apartment with um, five other students, so he has the social connection. What I'm seeing with the with the younger people is, you know, really the the isolation and and the change in the, the way that they're able to socialize, I'm feeling is, is a huge impact. And the online learning is so stressful for them. And um, I, I guess I could say for both of both of mine, it's stressful. My older one is with five of his friends in an apartment. So he is in this social space. And, and so he's doing okay with that. My younger one um, was living in the university residence and they have now told us that they're not opening it up again until the end of February. So he's home with me and he's very isolated and, you know, and he's, this is his first year in university. So, you know, he's learned, he's, you know, and he's studying engineering, which is a very, very difficult uh, subject. And yeah. so, it's very challenging doing everything online, not feeling as supported. You know, it's not like you can go over to your professor or, you know, the teacher's assistant and say, you know, okay, I have a question about this. Can you help me? It's like, now you have to set up an appointment and make a Zoom call. And so it's it's much more limited in that way. Um, and I, I do work with high school students as well. And the the school online and the social, the feeling isolated are the two things that they they say are the most stressful, um, you know, for families that are, are home, it's, again, it's boundary setting, it's, it's, you know, being able to say, you know, this, I need this, you know, I need this time alone right now. And, and giving the kids too, because we often don't think that they need that also, they need their space too. And they need to not be on, you know, they're, you know, some of these very small children who, you know, six-year-olds who are on Zoom all day, like they're not, they're meant to be playing in the playground and, and they can't do that. And we have to recognize, like often we're in our own heads and not seeing really how much it's impacting them. And so it's about letting them have their emotions, letting them have their space. Like if they're, if they're having a meltdown, they want to be in their room alone, let them be. You know, this is their time, you know, and seeing how we can help them as well if it's, you know, setting up a Zoom play date, you know, if that's what you have to do, if they're feeling isolated, 
um, than, than doing that and supporting and making sure they, they have, that they're being taken care of in that way. And for the parents, it's, you know, it's really about delegating and outsourcing whatever we can. You know, if, if the kids are old enough to be helping out, then ask them to help out in the, in the house. You know, there's, you know, kids can make each other or make themselves lunches, depending on their ages. They can help with tidying things up. They can, you know, putting things in the dishwasher if you have one, um, you know, and so then it, it does make, you know, so this way the parents are not feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm doing everything. And, and I know when my kids were both home, I was feeling that. And I said to them, like, I'm working really, really hard. And, you know, with them at one point, this was when school was canceled. So they didn't have classes. Mm-hmm. It was like, you're lying around all day watching Netflix. And I'm feeling resentful. I need help. <laughs> you know, and just saying, like, I don't want to walk out my door and see you guys lying there all the time. Like, what, what can you do? And just asking the kids. And they were actually very open to to helping me where they could they you know one of mine said okay i can you know help with cleaning things up the other one said okay i can cook dinner once in a while and so just giving them those opportunities to do that takes the pressure off the parents and and makes you know gives the kids something else to do as well and this feeling that they're contributing yeah because again you know if you look at some statistics i was statistics yeah if you look at some statistics women tend to be more anxious and and they tend to be more especially you know uh, starting you know age about 35 and up you know up uh women tend to because again women have to multitask and and again it, and especially if you have to run a business as well and look after kids, how do you uh, how do you have this work life balance? I mean, as a mom, as and entrepreneur, how do you go about your day and ensure that you're on top of things as an entrepreneur and at the same time giving your family enough attention to be a good mom? It's I I have gotten down to scheduling everything in my phone, even right down to like, this is when I'm going to meditate, you know, I I put it in my phone so that it's not like, okay, I can do this later and putting it off and then it never happens. Everything gets scheduled in for me. Um, and, you know, in, in everything down to like creating that balance. Um, and also getting help, you know, outsourcing and recognizing I don't have to do everything. So for me, you know, one of the big things um, was going out to the grocery store and how much longer it takes because now there are bigger lines and sometimes you have to wait outside before you get in and do your thing. And I mean, here, here in Canada, we've, you know, got a lot of different strategies and thankfully people are, are overall keeping it. But now I just, I use an online app and I have my groceries delivered to my house. And for the extra $5, it costs me in the week. When I think about, okay, I can, you know, I can do the order the night before and then the food just shows up at my doorstep, you know, 11 o'clock the next day. And it's like, okay, there's an hour right there. For me, it's worth that extra little bit um, to not have to do it. So that gives me so much peace. And I love it. I feel so spoiled every time I I get the knock at the door and there are the bag of groceries. You're not missing, you know, going shopping and choosing stuff from the shelves. You're not missing that. I don't miss that at all. Because for me, the stress is like, okay, I'm standing here in this line and then this line and this line. And then, then I start getting anxious about what else I could be doing during this time. 
So, you know, I'm happy, you know, at the end of the day, scroll. And that's the thing. It's really knowing what, what causes you more stress or less stress. So yes, if going grocery shopping is a relaxing experience, by all means, that's, then that gets to be your outing. But if, if uh, it's not, then knowing, you know, okay, you can do this. And, you know, for me, that peace of mind, that's, that's like getting a massage, <laughs> you know, for me, it's a joy. So, so just really, yeah, looking at every little thing of like, okay, what do I like to do? What do I not like to do? And, you know, and the, creating the balance is often even just making a list of like, okay, what are the tasks I do in the day? And then look and, and labeling. And I, I do this exercise with clients too, saying, okay, now that you look at what, what you do in a typical day, label each one. Is it nourishing? Is it depleting? Or is it neutral? Because some things depending could be both. You know, sometimes I like cleaning my house. It feels therapeutic. Other times it's like, oh God, I don't want to clean. So, so looking at those, and then if you notice that you have more depleting activities in the day, add more nourishing ones. It's really that simple. And looking at those things that are depleting and saying, okay, who else can help me with these things so I don't have to do it. And so it's it's a simple math and, you know, it's sometimes easy to implement, depends what they are. You know, like the grocery shopping, which I don't like to do, was like, okay, there are now apps that I can use. Um, sometimes enlisting family members might take a little bit more effort, but at the end of the day, you know, if you can get the people to buy in or even part of the time, it's creating more space where we can add more nourishing activities and, and getting to know too, like having that list of like, okay, what nourishes me? What do I love doing? You know, is it for 20 minutes of reading and I, I feel refreshed after that. Great. Book a time into your day that to make sure you get it. Don't just assume it will happen because often if we don't plan for it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to literally, you know, plan your day because, like you said, it's always like, oh, okay, I'll do it late, and it never happens. And you just feel, and then you just feel guilty. Oh, I haven't done that. I wanted to do this, and yeah. it just kind of, you know, adds terrible for our mental health. Yeah, yeah. Self compassion is is huge when it comes to to our mental health. Of just like it's okay. Whatever you're feeling is okay. Whatever you're doing is okay. And just, you know, letting ourselves off the hook. Uh, I, I call it the friend test. I always you know say to my clients, like, if a friend came to you with this thought that they have or this issue, what would you, what advice would you give them? And now give it to yourself. Because we don't do that. We, we have this very high bar that we set for ourselves. And, you know, usually we can't meet it and then we make ourselves feel bad for it and we would never do that to anyone else so it's like love yourself the way that you love your loved ones and and it takes practice you know self-love is not easy and I, I don't like to use that word too often but it's just you know just even be self-neutral you know <laughs> like okay you know letting yeah. that go yeah no thank you so much you I think you've added so much value um to our listeners uh just i mean sometimes uh you know com common sense is not so much common right and and people just kind of forget to do the obvious things sometimes uh but uh just kind of um on on the last note uh for those um 
females, uh, well, maybe just for general sort of male and female and um, uh, entrepreneurs who just kind of start thinking about starting something new, maybe pivoting, what advice would, would you give them? Mm. Um, make sure it's something you love, I think, is <laughs> number one, <laughs> you know, because you're going to be working very hard at doing it. So you want to you make sure the passion is there. Um, you know, practical advice, you know, if, you know, again, it's, it's looking at what's important to you. Yes. Having that security is important and is going to relieve some of the stress. Then, you know, save up some money, maybe build up, build up the business a little bit while you have, you know, while you're doing something else, but really looking at, you know, what you're noticing are your stressors already, because we all, it's, you know, when we're already thinking about entrepreneurship right mm -hmm. away, all now you can't do this because. Notice what the, you know, listen to that self-talk, notice what that inner critic is saying to you, and then see how, you know, how you can navigate that. And if you can't do it on your own, get support. There are so many people that support entrepreneurs these days. There's no reason to do it alone. And so, so don't just <laughs> get that out of your mind, you know, get as big of a support network as you can, even if it's just to be able to vent and say, this is hard and having other people say, yeah, it is. You know, it's it's so nourishing for us. You're you're not, you know. It's very very hard. <laughs> Pre prepare to fail, but uh, yeah, and learn from it, and then um, yeah, you'll you'll be on the right path. Yeah. But uh, no, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience and and your thoughts on this subject. And I, I wish you. I wish this year to be a, a success for your business and, and let, let's just kind of end this conversation on a positive note. Yes. Because again, it's, it's, it's hard as is, you know, you, we have to think positively. We have to be, you know, looking forward um, towards good, towards good times. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on your show. And I, I wish you the same of just, you know, much success and, and you're doing wonderful work. We, we entrepreneurs really appreciate the work that you're doing. It's, it's wonderful to hear, you know, and learn, learn from each other. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming, Michelle, and good luck with everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency, who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill. Uh, so you can search for resilient entrepreneur uh, skill and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all for me. Um, I wish I wish you good mental health and you are just one mind hug away. Till next time.